0: Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the fourth Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, joined in the studio today by David Moore, uh, who covers the undefeated, unchallenged, unrivaled Dallas Cowboys.
1: All three are accurate at this moment. Yes. They, it is isn't the <laughs> NFC East, anyway.
0: Uh, how about the fact that... Uh, they already have
1: a two-game lead over everyone else in the division.
0: That is phenomenal, isn't it? I mean, I, I, look, we.
1: I think you and I both predicted they would go three and zero, right? Yeah, I think most people did. Yeah. yeah. So now uh, the way they've gone about it is is something different. But yeah, I think everyone predicted they would go three and zero. So three and zero. I did not predict that the Eagles would be one and two. No, that is that
0: is, and of course, this last game, uh, the fact that they had lost D- Deshaun Jackson, Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey. I was trying to say both of those at the same time. Uh, <laughs> gave me sound like I had a little lisp there. Um, played a huge factor in that game. Several drop balls in that game for the Eagles, and and taking that loss. Uh, but these are, I know people will say, well, these are you know the kind of things you know that they, the Eagle can, can still turn it around, and that's very true. But the thing is, is like when you've already got when you're down two games after three, you know this makes it really difficult uh, to come back. So I felt like uh, all along that the Cowboys would probably. Sweep uh, the, the Giants and the Redskins. Uh, I think that the uh, we, we certainly saw from Daniel Jones uh, the other day what he presents. I'm not saying he's going to be able to do that every week. Yeah, Especially now
1: he, with Saquon Barkley out. That may be yeah, their make, weapons. Makes it,
0: makes it a little more difficult. Puts a little more load on the quarterback. Uh, but uh, he does present a different element uh, from what Eli Manning mm-hmm. did. Uh, certainly is a pretty good runner. I didn't Think of him as that kind of player when he was in college, uh, but uh, apparently he does have the, the, that that skill set. So, um, and the, the issue for me was going to be how they would do against the Eagles. Uh, and I thought the best you could hope for was a split. Uh, I think that's probably still the best you can hope for is a split, don't you think?
1: You know, they uh, they swept them last year, right? Yeah, true. Uh, and uh, they were the defending world champions then, and but but now it was reversed, Dallas was looking like there was no way it was going to catch Philadelphia for the division last year. Right. And it looked like they were playing for a wild card, and then they won the overtime game in Philly and then beat them again. now suddenly, you know, they overtake and, and win the division, Philadelphia winds up as the wild card. So these while, – while the two-game – while a two-game lead in the division is glaring after three weeks, it's over the course of the season that can evaporate in a second and uh so we'll see but um wh- what you do is you just start giving yourself less of a margin for error and uh, you know if if dallas doesn't have any significant injuries and and philadelphia is working through a lot of injuries right now the thing is philadelphia can't afford to fall behind too much farther you know uh especially early in the season they they can't really afford to be say three games back of dallas going into their first meeting and you know. no, no, they
0: cannot. So let's let's look at the at this schedule a little bit, because uh, as we have said before, uh, you and I both picked the Cowboys to go eleven and five, and uh, so they they started out three and zero. They're already on their way, doing doing well, uh, and now they've got the Saints this week in New Orleans. Uh, I'll be there. You'll be there. It's going to be a grand old time. Um, and the Saints, of course. Or without Drew Brees, um,
1: Teddy Bridgewater played pretty well uh, yeah, it, in Seattle. Uh, again, that was a tough game on the road against a pretty good defense. Yeah,
0: and and he did a, and he did a good job. I wouldn't say he was outstanding, no. uh, but he was certainly played very well for a backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. And of course, Teddy Bridgewater Water has been a starting quarterback sure. in this league. Uh, probably, I'd say. He might be one of the two or three best backup quarterbacks in the league. Oh, no question. He's certainly the highest-paid backup.
1: Yeah, no so, question.
0: So that you are getting something. But he's not Drew Brees, you know. He is not presenting that same element that Drew Brees does, uh, the ability to go deep on you. Uh, he's just not going to do that.
1: Yeah, and you, and you saw in that game, uh, it's, uh, I don't have the stats in front of me right now, but, like, Alvin Kamara was used as a runner much more. I don't know if he can handle that sort of workload between the tackles. Caught a lot of as passes. Much, yeah. Uh, ran a lot. And, again, he's one one of the most, if not the most, effective player in the league at, at doing that. But when you put that much of a load on him this early. Now, again, will, will that – impact this game no it's early in the season you can load them up as much as possible but over the course of the season that's going to wear on them if they have to continue to ride him to that level uh, with breeze out Uh, you know michael thomas again they they have weapons but those weapons just look different and will be deployed differently than they were with breeze and you know this is this is going to be a really interesting game i think for dallas because last year i thought Dallas really announced itself as a quality defense with what it get, did against New Orleans at AT&T Stadium. You know, they held the Saints to 10 points. I believe going into the fourth quarter, it was the worst three-quarter worst three, quarter, worst three quarter statistically for Drew Brees that he had ever had in his life through three quarters in the NFL yeah. going into that final period. And, uh, again, they beat him 13-10, and, and that was really – the game that announced that this Dallas defense is not just a good defense, it's a maybe it's bordering on elite, uh, the way they shut that team down. Now, the Cowboys defense has struggled early this year against opponents that aren't that strong offensively. So what are they going to do on the road against a New Orleans team in a a primetime game that has the motivation of being shut down by this defense last year?
0: Yeah, and and last year, uh, you're right. You know, when they came out on that first series, I remember Anthony Brown knocking down a pass. Uh, you know, there every everything that Drew Brees tried to do in you that know. first series, they couldn't get anything going. It was three mm-hmm. and out, three and out, three and out, and uh, and that was so impressive in that game. They played so well. They they seemed to to have. An idea of what the Saints wanted mm-hmm. them to do on every play. No question, they had everything covered. Uh, it wasn't a question of Drew Brees making poor throws. These were balls getting knocked down. Uh, these were were true plays being made uh, by the Cowboys.
1: Completely defense. neutralized Kamara. Kamara yes. was no threat in that game whatsoever.
0: So uh, I wanted to ask you that because it's it's interesting uh, to watch uh, um, the, the the three games so far from this defense. You know, and, and, and look, the NFL is a year-to-year league, and we know that, and uh, things can change pretty dramatically. Even when there's not a great change in personnel, yeah. for whatever reason, things just change. And uh, it's a fine and last, line. Yeah. Yes, and last year the Cowboys were riding their defense almost all season long, uh, and that's what was so... Critical for them against the Rams uh, in the divisional game because the demons didn't play. It wasn't they there stop them. the run, yeah. and and that was a, a uh, that's why they lost. Uh, this year they haven't looked very good. What what do you think is the the, the problem with this defense so far?
1: Well, um, we had Lawrence who didn't take part in the offseason season program after the the shoulder surgery, and so he was he was not at the level he was to start last season. Um, you missed Robert Quinn for the two game. I mean, you go back, you didn't have, you know, you, from what you had last year, you didn't have Randy Gregory, right? who was pretty fresh and effective early in the season. He was suspended. Um, a player you brought in to take his place was suspended for the first two games. And uh, I, I think you saw in that Miami game, he really, I think he made a difference for them in that interior. Um, in fact, so good. He was so good; that he played well beyond what they envisioned. Right. Um, so I, I think that's a good sign for them going forward, especially now that Demarcus Lawrence is starting to look more like himself, his Pro Bowl self. But you had uh, Lawrence. Uh, you had Tyrone Crawford, who didn't practice in the um, in the off season uh, because of the hip. Um, so he's not right, and he hadn't played. He didn't play in this third game. Uh, he's been limited. So the line hasn't been playing to the level it was for most of last season. I think you look at the, you know, Byron Jones, your Pro Bowl corner, uh, was limited and only played a few snaps in the first game um, because he was coming back off offseason hip surgery. He didn't take part in anything in the offseason. So his, his conditioning and, and uh, execution level wasn't where it wanted to be. Uh, they wanted it to be starting the season. So, that's two Pro Bowl guys right there in Lawrence and Byron Jones who did nothing in training camp, who you're just plugging in right away, and they're in limited roles. So, that's – I think the defense took a hit there, like we were talking about the depth in the line. You know, early this season – now, I think Leighton Vandrej is playing better now, but early this season, I don't think the linebackers have played as well. And uh Jalen no, Smith has been very sporadic to me. In fact, it was pretty telling that, that Joe Thomas was out on the – Uh, field for I think like 38 snaps in that game and he was taking some snaps away from Jalen Smith and that's an indication they think Smith isn't exactly where he needs to be right now so you know that is so that identifies three of your most important defensive players right there and none of them for different reasons haven't been playing up to their standards in these first three games. So I think that's part of the reason. The other is, uh, you know, the the opponents. um, This defense is, and also this defense is predicating on swarm to the ball and hit. You have to have a physical edge to you. Um, Teams don't have that physical edge to start the season because they don't hit that much in training camp and preseason games because they're, they're trying to limit their exposure to get them through a season. So I think teams that... Their whole identity is built around being physical and aggressive and knocking people around. I think it takes them a little bit longer to get that edge uh, to them because you just can't, no matter what you do from a conditioning standpoint, you can't replicate it until you start knocking people around. Yeah. So so I, I, think, I don't think it's necessarily troublesome, but I, I think there's some reasons why it, they're off to a, a slower start. Now, we're saying this. And I think only three teams in the three defenses in the league have allowed fewer points through the first three games in Dallas, so let's put it all in perspective, but they're not they're not getting a lot of sacks and they're not getting turnovers and when you go up against a good team or a good quarterback, um, that's going to show up. Well, Taco Charlton got a sack Sunday. he did It took him nine seconds to get there. <laughs> Which, which is more, I think, more of a testament to uh, Dak Prescott not knowing what to do with that much time than it is. So. Well, I,
0: I thought I loved, and, and he was absolutely right as what Dak said. Uh, he goes, "Well, I really should have just thrown that away, yeah. but he can have
1: that one." And then they said, "Oh, well, why didn't you throw it away?" And he said, "Completion percentage." <laughs>
0: Well, uh, yes, to me that that that's the 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 most noticeable things about this defense so far, and 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 I and I see what you're you're saying, and those are all good points. Uh, but I, I feel like the you know to me the most striking thing about this defense, besides the fact that they hadn't gotten a lot of pressure at least until the second half of the Dolphins game, mm-hmm. was uh, the fact that uh, uh, the linebackers just aren't doing. It. Yeah, you, you don't notice the linebackers, and this is a and this is a team that last year. Uh, the linebacker play was exceptional. Mm-hmm. You know, and and it was noticeable. And it, it was as a matter of fact, and I have said this, and other people as well, Brad Sham, who's seen a lot of football out there, was saying that these are this might be the best linebacker group since the seventies. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I and I agree with that. You know, and these guys have played outstanding football. You know, they didn't play well in the in the Rams game last no. year, divisional play, and that's because. You, you had the offensive line was uh, getting out to the second level, and these guys were having to fight through the offensive linemen to make tackles. Yeah. That's not how this defense is designed.
1: And there was some misdirection, and they were taking advantage of two young guys in there. And, and you go back and you look at that tape, and everyone who studied it will tell you far and away the best linebacker in that game was Sean Lee. Yeah. Indeed. Now again, it didn't, they still ran for like two hundred But I mean, he was the only one who was recognizing and getting in the spots to stop the plays. They were, uh, they really confused Leighton and, and uh, Jalen in, in that game. And, uh, but yeah, that you know that's the other thing. As good as they were defensively last year, they started to wear down against the run. And uh, it was a it was a dramatic culmination <laughs> against the Rams. Right. Um, but here's the other thing, how many teams can run like the Rams did? So you don't want to overemphasize that too much. I mean, if a, team, if a team is a really good running team, I still think they can run on Dallas because this is basically an undersized defense that relies on speed and discipline and cohesion to stop the run versus just physically overpowering people in the line. But how many overpowering run games are there in the league now? Right. You know, I, I think the Rams are one of the few teams built that way that could have exploited that. Yeah. So, um, so if you're going to have a deficiency defensively, it makes sense that's where it's going to be. Um, but strategically, I'd say it, it's a good place to have it. But no, they um, for what for what was expected of. Jalen Smith and Leighton Van Esch after what they showed last year for what they have not showed to this point I don't say it's a concern but that's something you watch and go okay well you know where where's this next step you know at least get back to what you were doing last year right. When's that going to come and and I think it will and this is um again I, I think th- you know the Saints game is going to be a wake-up call I mean they uh uh I think Jalen Smith got a wake-up call in this last game when Joe Thomas was out there for thirty eight snaps. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's like, well, you know, this is not the level you want or we want, and this is this is how we're going to manage it if if you don't give us what we want.
0: absolutely. and and uh, and and so let's look at this game uh, because Teddy Bridgewater is uh, uh, starting at quarterback and did and did a nice job against the Seahawks and managed that game very well. Uh, but of course, you would think number one priority is, and it might've been the number one priority anyway, stopping Alvin uh, Kamara. Uh, mm-hmm. And and it would seem like what you want to do is make Teddy Bridgewater beat you in this game. Sure. And uh, now the, the flip side of all this is that Sean Payton is calling this offense. Who's as, uh, as creative as anybody in the league. Maybe the most creative, you know, I don't know if he's the, the most cause of Sean McVay and, and, and uh, what uh, Andy but he's does in him. the conversation, but he's in the conversation. Absolutely. So, What do you expect that they will try to do against the Cowboys?
1: Well, again, it's interesting because they were creative and had all of their weapons last year, and it didn't work. Right. Um, So, you know, I don't know that I've seen enough of Bridgewater to know exactly what it is, how they feel they can attack the defense. He's going to run a little more
0: than Drew Brees does. Yeah.
1: And uh, And he did that against the Seahawks as mm -hmm. well. And, you know, The thing, too, is that that's a pretty good warm-up for New Orleans because Seattle plays the same defense that the Cowboys do. Mm -hmm. Or I should say the Cowboys play the same defense that Seattle does, if you want to look at historically who's done better over these last five, six years. yeah. Uh, So it's the same sort of defensive principles. So you've seen them have success against that, so I think that should help them going into this Dallas game. On top of the fact, it's going to be – a night game in New Orleans, which was a bunch of crazed Cajuns. So You're saying that has an impact on the game? <laughs> I think it could. Yeah, it's a tough place to play. Very, very tough. Um, so, I mean, they, the thing is they, they have to get – that's the thing. They don't have – this is why New Orleans went out and tried to make it work with Des Bryant last year. Mm-hmm. Kamara and Michael Thomas are two of the preeminent weapons in the league. After that, what do they have? Mm -hmm. So, actually, defense, a good defense, and and Dallas was a good defense, was able to, if you just take one or two of the things away from Kamara that he likes to do, if you take away that screen game, which I thought Dallas did an outstanding job of last year. uh, You know, I I would say this one thing. I I think that Dallas completely took away the screen game Mm -hmm. from Kamara and and the Saints last year, and that really left them – as Jason Garrett likes to say, behind the chains and, and kind of forced them into some things they, they didn't want to do that much. And and after Michael Thomas, they have capable receivers, but I don't know that they have any receivers that you go, well, you know, this guy can beat you for, you know, 110 yards in any game if you focus too much on Michael Thomas. Yeah. So I, I think if you take away the screen game um, and you, you're able to contain – And uh, bracket Thomas with different coverages. um, I think then everything's just underneath and picking away. And is Bridgewater going to be patient enough to do that and and settle for all these three, four yard gains through the air? Right. uh, And move the ball that way.
0: So let's talk about – the yeah, and I, and I agree. So let's talk about the Cowboys' offense this week uh, and what you expect they will try to do. Um, we saw last week, even without Michael Gallup, uh, Devin Smith didn't have a big uh, day, uh, but he made a few catches. Amari um, Cooper did have a big day, uh, two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe it was, what, 88 yards receiving in that game. Um, and uh, those are things that uh, – we, and we have talked about with Amari Cooper, uh, always capable of a big breakout game, not really uh, the, the kind of guy who was going to maybe bring it every week, but he has scored at least one touchdown in all three games yeah. uh, so far. Which for, the is, fir-
1: for the first time in his career. For the first time in his career. Yeah. Correct. Uh, and now he becomes, I believe, the fifth player to score in the... Uh, f- first three games in, in franchise history. Is that right? Yeah, so okay. it had not happen that much, yeah. So
0: uh, so let me ask you this. Uh, because there was some concern about with Michael Gallup's uh, absence, and I'm assuming he will not be playing this week. Oh, no,
1: he, he won't play for another, let's see. I, I think you're probably looking, you know, he's going to go right up to the bye week, I think, before. Yeah, I mean, he may be back for that Giants game after the bye week. Yeah. I, I doubt Maybe an outside chance, um, that Philadelphia game before the bye week. Mm -hmm. But that's pushing it. That would be the absolute first he would be back from that scope on his knee, I think.
0: So, uh, and Randall Cobb didn't have a, a big game against the Dolphins either. I
1: was a little surprised by that. Well, I would argue he did because he had 94 receiving yards nullified by penalties.
0: Is that right? Was that night? Oh, that's right. Cause
1: he the had touchdown. the seventy-four yard touchdown. That's true. That was called back right. because of offsetting penalties. They remember that now. And late in the second quarter, just before that, he had a twenty-yard completion erased on a Connor Williams holding call. Um, so he had ninety-four more yards than what he actually did Connor had. Connor Williams
0: cost him both those catches because I think he cost
1: him the, the, the touchdown, didn't he? he uh, well, oh, oh no, I take it back. Yeah, it was, it was something. Well, Connor Williams, yeah, it was offsetting penalties. It was that they didn't lose yardage on it because it was offsetting penalties mm-hmm. because uh, McCain, the safety, mm-hmm. uh, also grabbed uh, face the helmet mask. face mask. Yeah, so it was offsetting penalties. So it went back. I'm sorry, that one was Connor Williams. Yeah, I don't remember right offhand. Oh, it was Lyle Collins, I think was the, who got that the penalty might have been that, it. that brought back the 20 uh, yard gain that he had. Yeah. Well so. that's
0: that's so that's a good point. Uh because they had done such a great job the first two
1: games of spreading the the ball around a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh and it seemed So well, actually yeah, I, I think Cobb you can tell Cobb what, and again that's what they picked on. You know, Kellen Moore said we saw specifically we wanted to attack there with Cobb to open the third quarter. And mm-hmm. on the second play of the third quarter they hit him for a 74 yard touchdown and it comes right back. Now to their credit Four plays later, they're back in the end zone again, which is remarkably hard to do after being – Scored twice and only get credit for it once. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, that that is hard to do. But, uh, so, yeah, I I think Cobb was a pretty big part of the game plan. It just didn't materialize from a statistical standpoint because of those two plays. Yeah. So, uh, do we think that uh, Amari Cooper is – Taking
0: uh, another – you know, look, he was pretty good in Oakland. Uh, He was a Pro Bowl receiver
1: twice. Uh, Do we think that he's taken another step up, though, this this year? Yeah, because I I think the step – that was lacking was he was a pro bowl talent, but it was the consistency level, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and when you, even if you're not getting big yards, if you're scoring and, and he's their red, their primary red zone scoring threat now, it appears. Yeah. um, So, you know, it's, you don't need the, the seven for one thirty five and two touchdowns every game. But when you're not doing that, too often in the past he would give you, like, one reception for nine yards yeah. or two receptions for 17 yards. Right. Um, you and wa- that's what was frustrating to Oakland fans. Yeah, exactly. And you want – you know, I think his ceiling is fine. I mean, you always want a greater ceiling with everyone, but his ceiling is fine. It's the floor that, that concerns you. Yeah. And, and, uh, and his floor this year has been, oh, okay, well, what – five catches for, you know, 72 yards and a touchdown. Mm -hmm. Sure.
0: Absolutely. And
1: and so uh, I I think the – to me, why he wasn't viewed as an elite receiver was just just the wide swings from his best games to his worst games. If his worst games are – not as bad as they've been. Then I think you start talking about him in that elite receiver class, and and I think he's taken a step toward that. Again, it's only three games, but it is telling. This is the first time in his career he scored in three consecutive games. Two things about that. One, something Charles Barkley said. Always good to bring up something that Charles
0: says. Always. Uh, he, I believe he said this to Michael Finley once. That uh, he said, if you want to be a star or thought of as a star, then you score twenty points every game. You don't score score 20 points one game and and 10 the next and 12 the next after that. Every night, your team knows what you're getting out of you. Uh, Secondly... you know, one of the, the knocks on um, Amari coming out of Oakland was that, well, he, he drops too many passes. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, yeah. And we didn't really see Wait, that. Until the Miami game. He did drop that one pass where it was wide open, which would have been a big game in yes. the Miami game. Yeah, and But here's the issue with him. I didn't notice it so much
0: last year, but I've really noticed it a lot this year, is that whether he is not confident in his hands or not, but Amari does not put his hands out. The, he's a body catcher. Mm-hmm. Uh on the touchdown pass, he caught in the crossing pattern with Xavier Howard behind him. It's up here in his armpit, practically, and he's got his hands up uh, underneath with his palms, uh, with his fingers pointing down, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, that's that's an awfully high to come up with your hands like that. And, he, he, and yeah. when he tried to put it away uh Howard was able to get his hand in and almost knock it out of his hands because of that. It was was not a good pass. I mean, it wasn't a great pass. It wasn't mm-hmm. it was okay. It was a little bit behind him. Uh but if you put your hands out, not only are you getting past Howard and grabbing that ball in a more natural position with your fingers pointing up. But but you you catch it away from it and then you pluck it and then you bring it into your body. <laughs> uh, when you're trying to, the issue always is when you're trying to catch it with your body like that. The ball has has to travel farther for one thing, mm-hmm. gives the opportunity for the defensive back to knock it away. But also, balls going to bounce around a little bit when it comes into sure. your body like that. I'm not sure that Amari Cooper has the hands or has the confidence in his hands to reach out and grab the ball like that. Mm-hmm. He's got a little bit of uh, Terrell Owens in him. Uh, you know, and and he was always a body catcher for mm-hmm. for a, for a, uh, a great receiver. He had the worst hands of any great receiver I ever saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no question about that. got in the Hall of Fame and had terrible hands. Uh, I'm not saying that Amari has bad hands. I just don't see them. You know, yeah. uh, and, and as, as you said on that on that seam route when he's running wide open down the field, he reaches up and that ball's it's it's a little bit out in front of him, but that's but that's a well
1: thrown ball. No, it was a well thrown ball in stride. Yeah to set you up for a really big play. Now, now on that one it to me it appeared and I I didn't I didn't have a chance to ask him about this, but to me it appeared he knew the safety was coming over the top. Yes. And he looked up yes. He looked again, it was one of these I want to catch look to see where I need to go as I'm catching so I can go. Right. And so you just get a split second ahead of just catch it, then look, and you still have time to make your move. But he was, he knew the safety was coming over the top, and he. He looked up to get a better feel for where he was as he was trying to catch it, or just the split second before he caught it. in yeah. that, you know, that created. And look, issue.
0: I'm not, and, and if he's seeing the safety and wondering what he's going to do, or seeing <laughs> that the safety's almost there, yeah. I don't blame a guy for that. I mean, you, you know, sure. you're a wide receiver going over the middle here. You yeah. don't want to get blown up on this thing and, and not know where you are. You know, you want to have an idea of it so you can brace yourself for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, that's thats my one reservation about him
1: because everything else he does is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, an unbelievable route runner. Oh, that that first touchdown? What, what he did to the corner on that first touchdown? Oh, my gosh. If uh, I don't know if you've seen that, but, I mean, I've watched that isolated, and he's just – I mean, he has the guy yo-yo in two different ways, and he has no shot. And, and he and has he, no shot we, of covering him. We all talk about
0: Cole Beasley and the way he could run routes, and, and mm-hmm. certainly – uh, he he did a great job in in a, in a small space mm-hmm. to get open. He was always open, pretty much because of that, because of his ability. Yeah. Because he's so quick, so precise mm-hmm. on his routes, and that's one of the things that a lot of receivers don't understand. If you're rounding off these routes, you're easy to cover. Yeah. You know, if you're making sharp cuts and varying your your tempo and speed as you're doing it, then you're gonna you're gonna be able to lose a guy. And and the thing about Amari to me that makes it it's it's not unusual to see a small guy like Cole Beasley be a great route runner and be very quick. Mm-hmm. And, you know they're they're short. They got a small center, a low center of gravity, and so it makes them a lot it makes it a lot easier for them to make those kind of cuts. When you got a guy as big as Amari Cooper is making these kind of cuts in the open field, downfield, you know, running it at full speed, mm-hmm. you know, that's phenomenal. I think yeah. he's. He's every bit as good a route runner as Cole Beasley is, and he's oh. about twice as big <laughs> yeah. and, and twice as fast. Mm-hmm. So uh, that that's phenomenal to get that from him. So and, and then we know how how smart a guy he is, mm-hmm. and, and and what uh, you know, uh, and, I, and I think uh, a guy who who really is concerned about doing what he's supposed to do, uh, a, a good guy in the locker room. He's everything you want in a wide receiver. So I guess what I'm saying is that the, the Cowboys should, should sign him, don't you think?
1: <laughs> and, and they will. It just depends on when and, and yeah. what the price will be at the time they do it. Yeah. It's but again, be- you don't give up a first round pick, build an instant chemistry with your quarterback who you're also going to sign and keep long term and then say, eh, we'll g- goodbye, we'll plug another yeah twenty four year old receiver in here who will have this chemistry and be just as good. Yeah. Because they again and and, and you know, that's the other thing. Um, when you have a chemistry, don't dismiss it. And these guys do appear to have an instant rapport, yeah, and it's only that, going uh, to get better.
0: We saw that I mean, when, yeah. when Dak came in his first year, the the chemistry you saw was was with Cole Beasley. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you saw it, sure. w- more so than Des, more so than Jason Witten. Mm-hmm. Uh, that this was this was his guy. Yeah, you know, and and it was clear from the very beginning. And what I thought was that. Well, he, he knows where this guy's going to be. Mm-hmm. He knows this guy's going to be open. And, and what we learned about Dak, and it took a little while, was that I'm not forcing anything here. I'm not forcing a ball in somewhere. I'm going to throw it to a guy who's open, you know. Mm-hmm. And to me, it was like, well, then uh, this yeah. is pretty smart. Because if, if Cole Beasley's going to be open all the time, throw it to that guy. And, and you're right, though. it took a he, he never developed any chemistry with Dez. There was never any. You mm-hmm. know, and, and and for a lot of reasons. Uh but, but you're right, he has been able to do that now. It has made him a completely different quarterback. He's been uh, – I was, I was reading something recently uh, by Bill Barnwell on, on ESPN.com in which he talked about the fact that even if you projected uh, what an average quarterback would do in these situations for the Cowboys right now, uh, that Dak is completing about 10% more passes than what – the, the average quarterback would do in those situations. Mm-hmm. So what he's saying is he's playing at an outstanding level. Mm-hmm. He, you can say all you want to about these teams weren't aren't very good that they played in there and they were not very good, are not, were not, whatever, will not be any good. But Dak is still playing at an extremely high level yeah. to this point.
1: And this offense, look, what we were saying last year about how far away the Cowboys were from where this league was going offensively, yeah, and you know they they were just gazing from afar at what Kansas City and and the L.A. Rams were doing. Well, Kansas City has scored four more points this season than the Cowboys through three weeks, and Dallas has scored twenty more points than the L.A. Rams. Yeah. So and yes, I understand the competition, but but. Based on what we saw, where this team was offensively last year to start the season, to where it is now, it's night and day. And you know, I think that
0: that has everything to do with uh, with obviously Kellen Moore, uh, a different offensive coordinator, a mm-hmm. guy who's uh, has maybe more confidence in in Dak and some of the things he can do. And, and also more weapons. You got a, a yeah. full season of Amari Cooper. You uh, until he got hurt. You had Michael Gallup, who now has a whole season under his belt. You have Randall Cobb, Cobb who gives so you much. more things that he can do than you what Whit B. did for short. You he, and you have and you, then you, you had have, Jarwin stretching the field a on, little bit. On, and certain and then and uh, then you have Tony Pollard added to yeah. this uh, mix. And and uh, and look, uh, I think he's terrific. You know, I he's I don't know that he's the kind of back. Well, let me first ask you this. What do they list him at? Six foot
1: 200? Yeah, right, Does that right sound it. right? Bit, yeah. And so. A little more, 205,
0: something. Like that. Uh, and uh, and Zeke runs at what? 230? 235? 225, 228, yeah. Okay. Uh, Zeke looks like he's about twice as big mm-hmm. as Tony Pollard. So I, I, it's it's hard for me. To, the weight is distributed differently. He yeah. is a little different. Uh, but uh, I don't know how much of a load Tony Pollard could, could handle, but he has such great glide mm-hmm. to him. You know, he, he he he's fast, but he has a he has a he has really nice patience as well. Uh, his ability, his vision's really good uh, for a guy who didn't play very much at Memphis or didn't get a lot of uh, place per game. What what was the uh, average?
1: Well, he I was looking at this the other day. He had I believe he carried the ball seventy times his last year at Memphis. Rushed the ball times. 70 times. He's already at 30 30 right now. And uh his previous two years he had 30 and 31 carries. I don't so understand 70 was like doubled what he'd ever had, so
0: I don't understand what that was all about. But but when you watch, well, I watch this guy run the ball. Uh, this this is a to me uh We we've talked about uh, Will McClay's drafts and what he's been able to add to to the team each year, and last year you had the immediate impact of Leighton Vander Esch, and you know of course the and and the ones before that, uh, we we wondered. Is that going to happen this year because Tristan Hill having a hard time working his way into the rotation? Now, he did play last week. And he played pretty good. (laughs) And played pretty well. But, again,
1: Miami. But, yes, he played pretty well. Played well well enough where you say, okay, well, let's make him active another week and see what he does.
0: Sure. Uh, But Connor McGovern hasn't Mm -hmm. played yet and won't play. Uh, and because of his injury. Maybe
1: active second half of the season, but he's not going to get in and get any no. appreciable time.
0: So when you lose your second and third – when your second and third picks uh, are – second and third round picks are, are not making a big contribution, you you start to question how uh, how sure. good is this draft right now. It might, might work out long term. It's what it certainly seems to be, and I think that was kind of part of their intention was that those two guys are are long-term pieces, really, uh, because
1: Connor McGovern
0: wasn't going to start
1: in this offensive line anyway. Yeah, they weren't anticipating either one to have a both best to be part of a rotation. Yeah. And your offensive line, you're not going to rotate much, you know, unless a guy gets hurt. Right. So, and Hill just being part of the rotation and moving into the position where, you know what, if they're... Unable to afford Malik Collins in the off season, you just plug Tristan Hill in at that three technique in the defensive line. Yeah.
0: So, but then you get in the fourth round, you get Tony Pollard. Yeah. Uh, And to me, uh, of course, running backs—you can find running backs in the draft, or you should. I've I've always felt that. You don't. That was the part of the controversy about taking Zeke Elliott Mm -hmm. with the fourth pick of the draft. Uh, when sure. they did, because can't you just find a running back just about anywhere? You know, I know that's what you know the uh, the Titans did with Derrick Henry. Mm-hmm. You know, who ended up being you know a pretty good uh, the Cowboys runner. did
1: with Demarco Murray. Demarco Murray, was he the third still has single big. season rushing record in Cowboys history. Exactly. Let so, that sink in with all the runners they've had here. Absolutely. Had the best single season of any runner in Cowboys history.
0: And I, I, I got to tell you, I loved DeMarco Murray in college. He, he was the kind of guy who did a lot of things at Oklahoma mm-hmm. and was a very, very kind of multiple kind of back. He could do a lot of things. Uh, but the Cowboys squeezed all the best out of him too mm-hmm. uh, before he left here to go to Philadelphia in sure. that big contract. But the point is, in the fourth round, you still got a guy who I think looks, is really talented. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that, that uh, I, as I said, I'm not sure – He he feels a little bit, and he's not not this fast, and I'm not saying he's that running back. But you remember when Tony Dorsett uh, came to the Cowboys, uh, and he always complained that he wasn't, you know, that that Tom Landry was not running him enough, Mm -hmm, was not giving him enough carries, you know. And what Landry would always say was, I'm trying to preserve your career here, Mm -hmm, you know, right? I I feel like that Tony Pollard feels like, to me, a guy who will never get 25 carries a game, you Mm -hmm. know. He'll, he'll unless something happens to Zeke Elliott. Um, it, it, he seems like a kind of guy who's who's due for ten to twelve carries a game, and but he's going to get he's going to get a lot of snaps because he's going to be available mm-hmm. uh, and for for you know yeah. to throw and, the ball. To and him. we've just
1: seen him as a runner. We haven't seen him used right. deployed as a receiver much yet either. And it, I think that's how a lot of people envision as as the season goes along. You will see that more uh, is my belief, but. Uh, you know, interesting. I read something just the other day too. It's uh, you know, e- even Pollard and his people when they went to the Senior Bowl, they wanted him to go as a wide receiver and work as a wide receiver. Really? And the people at the Senior Bowl had to talk him into like, no, come here as a running back. I mean, you can you know, you'll you'll get chance to catch pass, but the, come here as a running back. And uh, and and I think that's kind of what he got caught into at college. It was he was again out of that. Kamara mode, and I, I keep bringing up Kamara because the Cowboys did. Now he's different than Kamara. He's more of a. Kamara was was more of a receiver slash running back. Where this guy's actually his numbers in college were receiver slash running back, but it it looks like now he may be more of a running back slash receiver. You know, but it, but he does have a feel for for uh, uh, catching the ball out of the backfield. But yeah, so so they had to talk to him and say, look. Um, this still adds value, but but the question on you is, I mean, as a running back, and you are a running back, come in here and show these you know teams you can run, and so he he and his people said, okay, we'll we'll go to the Senior Bowl as a running back, and uh, and uh, the the head of the Senior Bowl brought that up this week after his first 100 yard game. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah that's saying, You know, you know, this is this is why we wanted. You know, congratulations, and this is why. Well, that's funny. You know, we asked you to come as a running back. So let me ask you
0: this. Do you think it's possible, the reason why we haven't seen him as a receiver yet is that the Cowboys didn't want to
1: show everybody that yet? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, uh, you know, Gallup got off to such a good start. Um, Cobb, you want to incorporate him. Um, Elliot, you know, even Elliot hadn't caught as much out of the backfield as no. he was, like, last year. Um, so... That's something that will be there, but um, Kellen Moore is very conscious of not. You don't want to empty the playbook now and show them no, everything. No, you you want to show you want to give everyone some tendencies. And as he says, now you know this will be the fourth game, and and typically um, you can glean something out of four game blocks, and, and that's how tapes and and teams review in this league. So, but as Kellen Moore will say. Well, we want to establish some tendencies, some bedrock tendencies that we'll always use because one reason you have tendencies is because those are your strengths and you do them well. But we also want to establish some things that aren't necessarily going to be our tendencies going forward. Right. You know, and and you don't know, you know, you don't know when we're going to get back to that. We've shown you we can do it. You have to prepare for it. But now maybe we go. Yep. They haven't. I think they did one dump pass to Pollard in this last game that I remember. But maybe that first game against Philly, you look up and suddenly Pollard and Elliott are out in the backfield together and they are they catch nine passes that day. And they haven't come close to that number in, in any game. since. So, I mean, I, I think you're going to have some games like that this year. Because, again, I think Kellen is very conscious of – um, you attack weaknesses and certain matchups just work in certain games. And that's not novel. I mean everyone, every offensive coordinator does that, but to what level do they do it? Mm-hmm. You know, um do they continue to pick on it time and time and time again, saying, this is the matchup, so we're going to, yeah, let's avoid this guy over here. Let's just keep going over here all the time. Yeah, Or do you say, well, no, we'll lean toward going against this guy in key spots, but um, we can do whatever it is we want to do against anybody. So let's just keep doing this. Yeah. So, and that's where, to me, that's where, if Dallas was bound in the past in some old thinking, that was a little bit it. It was, you know, I, I was struck uh, again. You look at the the third quarter numbers of this team this year in, in the three games, you know. Prescott's 22 of 22 for like 364 yards and three touchdowns in wow. the third quarter. No incompletions in the wow. third quarter. And he and he's rushed it once for a touchdown. So he has four touchdowns in the third quarter, but no incompletions. Now, and, and that's that's the quarter where they've gone out and basically seized control of the game, where the fourth quarter is just managing the game. It's, right. it's not having to do something in the game other than manage it and just take it home. Um you know, I was struck looking at this the other day. I think that in the past, in these past three years in the third quarter, I think there was a sense and an approach of Dallas of okay, let's go out and reestablish what we do here in the third quarter. And that is we're a running team. Let's yeah. impose our will. We're going to show them we're not getting away from what we want to do. This team is built to run. Let's just run Elliot down their throats in the third quarter. Well, now they're running Elliot down their throats in the fourth quarter. In the mm-hmm. third quarter, Dak is taking over. They're coming on the third quarter of games and saying, Dak, win this for us right now. And to me, that's a big difference. So I don't think they're coming out in the, third, in the second half now saying, let's impose our will, let's just double down and show them what we're about. We're a physical running football team. They're coming out saying, yeah, we're a physical running football team, but you score points through the air. Let's throw some points on them right here, put this game out of reach, and then manage the game and show them how what a tough physical running team we are the rest of the way after we get the lead to – you know, they were up by, what, 25 points against the Giants going into the fourth quarter, and they were up by 18 points on Miami going into the fourth quarter. There hadn't been a lot of games in recent years where they've been up that much going into the final period.
0: So, so I'm I'm saying the Cowboys are going to end
1: up four and zero. What do you say? I need to look at New Orleans a little bit more. You know, I, I think you look at these. You know, right after that they have Green Bay, and then they have the Jets. Mm-hmm. So, worst case scenario, in my mind, they win two of these next three games. Yeah. So I still think they're going to get to five and one at the worst. Um, but I'm
0: the Packers' defense looks really good.
1: Yeah, they they invested a lot on that in, in the offseason, and that's – offensively, though, they're more they're challenged than they have been in a while. They, they really are.
0: are. Um, of course, we know what Aaron Rodgers has done to this defense yes, before.
1: yeah, a lot of defenses, but, yeah, yeah. this this one as well. Um, so, you know, you would think if they're going to lose a game in these next three, the Saints would probably be the most likely since it's on the road. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, now they have a little bit of idea of how Bridgewater they're going to use Bridgewater, and and uh, you know, I, I think Dallas is catching New Orleans at about as good of a time as you can catch them.
0: No question about that, and and uh, and and probably it, it may even be the same case when they play the Eagles if Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey are not back for those for the game at that point yeah. either. And I, 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 I guess what they, yeah, be.
1: I guess what I wrestle with here is like. Uh, you always, you know, Jason Garrett always talks about like, you know, just focusing on the game in front of you and not, of course, we don't do that. No. And, so, and so what I'm doing is I'm sitting here and so I'm going, okay, well, if I say that Dallas is going to win this game, in my mind, I'm really saying, I think they're going to jump off to a 6-0 and start going into Philly. Yeah. And is that is that realistic? So then I start going, okay, which is the most likely for them to lose, before you get to Philly, and it'll be this New Orleans game, yeah. I think. It, at least it, it, how it appears right now. Right. Could, could they lose to Green Bay at home? Sure. Sure. But I'll say this. This has been a criticism of, of Dallas in past years. They've not been a good home team. They've been a pretty good home team start over the last year and a half. Yeah, they have. Uh, that, that is one thing That's they've, they've Im- improved. So uh, they should be favored at home against Green Bay. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, – yeah, if they, if they win this one, I think you're looking at a very good chance of them running the table and going into that Philadelphia game undefeated. And, of course, that game's at home, too. Mm-hmm. So
0: so that's, that's the issue for me. Is and then that, a bye. Uh, really, you go all the way down to November the 10th against the, the Vikings, and that game's at home. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't – of course, now the Lions look a little bit better uh, yep. the week after that. But you know, I said eleven and five, you said eleven and five. Mm -hmm. I'm starting to wheedle now.
1: I'm I may be getting to
0: thirteen and three now.
1: Well, if they go off, jump off to 6-0, I think that's, uh, yeah, that's what we, we can should call for at, at that end. point. We're, yes. we're revising our picks. The bye week. At the bye week, we, have, we reserve the right to uh, yeah, reassess. That's right. I reserve the right Just to do whatever like I will. want. That's what I say. <laughs> all
0: right, David, that's been it. That's our Cowboys podcast for today. We also had a Rangers podcast uh, with my, my uh, guest star, Tommy Noel. We talked about uh, the old ballpark and the new ballpark and all the feelings that uh, go in between those two things. Uh, Check those both out. Uh, We appreciate it, and come back uh, and get it next week. See ya.
1: Thanks for listening to the Cowboys Ballsy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes.
0: Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z Podcast.
1: Until next time, sports fans, we'll see ya.